Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. As you can see, we're going to be going over Paul, part 8. And I'm still not done. He had a great life and a great ministry. Now to recap. Last time I went over 1 Thessalonians. That it was written in A.D. 51. I reviewed key verses in each chapter. The first one being 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. And because of the way the Thessalonians were living out their faith, Paul really did not have to say too much to encourage them faithful, you know, in their faith. Because they were already living it out. And we as Christians should be doing the same in our own lives. living as Christians, living our faith, being a light in this world, and letting our faith guide who we are as Christians, and not letting the circumstances around us dictate who we are. And a young man who I think, and Pastor Joe has mentioned a few times too, but who I think is a really, really true example of living out his faith is Tim Tebow. I, I think he's, the more research I did with him and just articles and things about his life, he gets it. He gets what it's like to be a true Christian, to live, your, to live his faith. And look, he could do anything he wants probably with some of the money he has, but he chooses this. One of many things. I think, I, I think it's awesome, and it's a great example for us as Christians. Now the next key verse that I went over was 1 Thessalonians 2, 1, through two, uh, 1 and 2, and 4 through 7 about how no matter what level of persecution Paul endured, he didn't let it stop him from doing what God had called him to do. He pressed on. And again, how that can apply to our own lives, no matter what we go through, what we endure, what persecutions that we endure, we can press on. And the next key verse... It was chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. How Paul prayed for the love of the Thessalonian people to not only grow for one another, but to also for all other people, Christians and non-Christians. And I think, again, as Christians, we need to be doing the same thing. Praying for one another, not only loving one another, it's always easy to love one who loves you back, but it's hard to love one 
who may not like you. You know, this is not in my notes, but I have an example at my job that I'm at right now. This young girl, and uh, we did not have a good time there. She um, obviously is a spoiled kid. She's a millennial, very spoiled. Um, is probably used to getting everything that she wanted and does not like to be told what to do. That rubs me wrong, but again, I didn't handle it the best way. So I had to humble myself and apologize and just let her grow. But God showed me that I needed to love her, continue to love her, and it's, he con- continuously reminded me of to love her and my wife. She also reminded me to just make sure you love her because sometimes it's so hard to love someone who really is looking out to make your life miserable. But you know what? She's actually turned around. And I kind of felt it out a little bit, and I was like, well, you've got to watch out for her. But I heard through the grapevine, some, a, good resource, a good source, that she actually realized that she was wrong. She may not have come to me to say sorry, but it shows in her actions. But it shows when you love someone unconditionally how it could turn somebody around. And that was the example. We should be doing that in our own lives. Just loving others. Then lastly, I went over chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. This verse spoke about Jesus' returning for his people. Those who have died and for those who are still here. It was about all Christians being reunited again together with Jesus Christ. Something to look so forward to. I just think this is a neat depiction of what it is probably going to be like or something like it, you know? You know, Jesus right there. And just seeing all the people just rise and just worshiping him. I think it's awesome. It's something to really look forward to. And what's great is that we, as Christians, no matter what we go through in this world, we have this to look forward to. Not like non-believers. So let's begin with 2 Thessalonians. Now this was written approximately A.D. 51 to 52 by Paul. The reason Paul wrote it was because of the questions the people still had about his returning, Jesus returning. Especially for those who had already passed. So you could probably say that he wrote this as like a follow-up letter to the people. To reassure them of what was to come. It was one of Paul's shortest letters. But something to remember? The word of God does not depend on the size, but upon the power in those words. And God is behind it. 
just something that I came across that I thought it said exactly what we need to remember when it comes to God's word. Now, what I think are key verses in this chapter, 2 Thessalonians 1.3. Now, I used the New Living Translation because I really liked the way it was worded. And it says, Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. Now remember, Paul, in previous chapters, was praying for these people for their faith to grow. Now can you remember prayers in your own life that God answered? How did it make you feel? When after you just prayed and prayed and prayed and then you just saw, you saw God's answer. You know, how did that make you feel? A few words that came to my mind was, well, first, how do you think Paul felt? When his prayer was answered, I think he was very thankful to see his prayers answered by God. I think he was very encouraged, very much encouraged to say, hey, you know what? I have a God I'm allowed... He allows me to pray to him and speak to him, and he actually listens. I think that would be pretty exciting. Now, I have a personal example of that. Back when I went through a divorce, I um, had a brother in the Lord who suggested to me to write in a journal the kind of woman that I would want him to place in my life one day to marry. So I wrote it, and I prayed over it, over and over. And my wife was the answer. It, it was exactly what I prayed for and wrote in that journal. And it turns out, I didn't even write this either, but it turned out that she had done the same thing. And believe it or not, I was her answer. It's pretty cool. How do you think it made me feel that God actually listened to me? <laughs> that made me pretty excited. Now, another key verse, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Paul wanted to encourage in time of persecution, to just encourage the people. To remind them during those times, we can be encouraged knowing what's to come. And 
and what was to come. We will have, we will finally have rest. I don't know about you guys. I, I'm looking forward to that. Because it seems to be constant in our lives. Always something, 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 always something. I always say, like in a war situation, in a military sense, uh, when it's quiet, you know that the enemy is planning. You've got to be, be careful. But again, if as Christians you're attacked by Satan, it's because you must be doing something right. And we say it all the time in leadership. How's your day going? How's your, we're all getting attacked. So we just say, praise God, we're doing something right. For those who choose to obey God's word or choose not to obey God's word, what is going to happen to them? Who may even take God's word out of context. God will punish. It's not for us to do it. God's going to do it. Now, the next key verse I thought I'd find at least one verse in 2 Thessalonians 2, but it turned out to be the whole chapter. There was so much in it. It all kind of was like one. This chapter speaks about the apostasy to come. And what's apostasy, you ask? A total desertion of, of or departure from one's religion, principles, party, cause, etc. Verse 3 says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Something that we can look forward to as Christians or not fear what's going on in this world, the reason we should not be fearing it and actually maybe saying, thank God it's happening because it's getting closer to his returning. And the more that those symbols are clang, they make more noise, the closer it is for his return. Something for us to remember as Christians. Perdition is a state of final spiritual ruin. Loss of the soul, damnation. I see it going down that road already. So many, especially government, except recent, some things that Trump is doing by praying before and all, I think it's awesome. But there's so much around going on around here that they want to take God out of everything. And we're getting what we ask for. We're getting confusion. And desperation. And what was Paul saying here? Again, like I was saying before, that the day that Jesus' return will not happen until these prophecies are fulfilled. So these prophecies have to be fulfilled before Jesus' return. So again, I... <laughs> We don't pray for these things to happen, but we need to be thankful because it's an answer to God's prophecies. 
Now, something that stood out to me, get this. We know as Christians that sin is the cause of separation between man and God, correct? It's a separation. That's what separates us, man, from God is sin. This is something I thought about. The spirit of the Antichrist, I think, will allow the sins to live by covering them with, what do you think? Which is happening already. Tolerance. What's tolerance? It's another word for political correctness. Satan does not want us to speak the truth. The world does not want us to speak the truth of God. They want to silence us. They want to do that. They want us to shut up and not speak the truth. And Satan will do whatever, do whatever he can do to stop us from doing that. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 15 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. The reason we need to grow as Christians and why Paul spends so much time trying to encourage Christians to grow in their faith, he knew that there would be persecution. And in our days, now, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And the less you know the word of God, the more probability you're going to fall for the, for the counterfeits that are out there. But the more you get to know God's word, you will get to know which is the original and which is the counterfeit. You won't be tossed to and fro in the wind. You won't panic. You won't wonder if that's true, because you'll know. First Timothy 2, 5 through 7 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. 
a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. We need to speak God's word in truth. We need to speak the truth, live the truth. And the reason we need to do that because we have so many people in this world who are lost. Who that if they die today, they're going to go to hell. They are going to be permanently separated from God for eternity. I don't know what else should motivate us as believers. And what good is what we learn here in this church, which is an awesome Bible-believing teaching church, word for word, verse from verse, if we're not going to use it, if we're not going to live it, if we're not going to share it. This is to believers. We need to grow in our faith. We really need to grow in our faith. We need to be like a Tim Tebow and living it, not just saying it. And you know what? You're going to fail, but don't let that discourage you. Continue and press on and live your faith. Grow in your faith. When my wife and I shared the experience we had when we served the first time with Samaritan's Purse, God reminded me of that lake that has all this fresh water coming in. But if there's no outlet and you only had that fresh water, it gets stagnant. It needs an outlet. That water needs to go to feed life to other things and other plants and other animals. And spiritually speaking, as Christians, it's not going to do us any good to come in every day to get the word and keep it to ourselves. Eventually, we're going to get stagnant just like that lake that doesn't have an outlet. And things are going to die and we're going to be spiritually dead. Because we're not using it. We're not sharing it. What good is a treasure without sharing it? Now, why is it important to speak the truth to others? I mean, there are other, many reasons. One that comes to mind is that we have so many lost sheep out there. And God will equip you to do what he calls you to do. I've said this before, that we are responsible to be obedient to God, to preach the word, to preach the gospel, and tell others about him. We are not responsible for their response. We are responsible to tell them. And you'd be surprised the seeds you'll plant and not know it until we go to be in heaven one day. That person may come up and run up to you and say, thank you for speaking to me that day. And it's because of that love for them. Jesus was a perfect example of the love he had for each and every one of us. 
He gave himself unconditionally. And he did all of what he did, and he offended many. But it was only because of his love for each and every one. It's the motivation behind it. If what you're seeing in this world, going on in this world, is scaring you as a believer, let me remind you, we have nothing to fear as, as Christians. We have nothing to fear. According to God's word, all this stuff that's going on has to happen. And we need to remember that as Christians that the stuff that you see going on in this world has to happen for his prophecies to be fulfilled. Now for non-believers, for anyone listening on the the CD right now or um, on the, uh, the web or anybody here that may not know the Lord yet, you have every right to be scared. You have a lot to lose. Because you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you won't have that peace that surpasses all understanding of this world. You won't have that peace. You'll be looking at all the storm storm around you and all the things going on. And you're putting your hope in a world which is slowly fading away. It's slowly fading. They're putting their trust in things in a world that it's just going to burn up one day. And it's not going to get them to heaven. It's okay to enjoy things in this world that God created. But when you make it an idol, it's not good. It's not okay. Anything before God is an idol. It's like trying to hold on to sand. The more you try to hold it, it's just going to slip through your fingers. It's exactly what goes on. I did it before I was saved. I toiled with many things in this world trying to fill that void in my life. And it never filled, never filled me. It was just slipping through my hands. Never did it. Worst of all, you don't have the hope to lean on that we have as Christians. For those who are not saved, you don't have that hope. You don't have the hope of God returning. You don't have that hope that you can lean on to know that This world is just, you're just passing through. We're just passing through as Christians. And we will receive rest one day. No matter what we go through in this world, we will receive rest. But as a non-believer, you don't have that to hold on to. Because you're trying to hold on to a world which is fading away. And if, you, if you're here and you have never accepted Jesus, please, by all means, see one of us. If you're listening on a CD or on the internet, call the church and contact someone and ask about it, about how you can receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It's only a prayer away. God knows your heart. 
and he'll meet you right where you're at. Doesn't matter what you're in, where you are, what you've done, what you're doing. God will meet you right there. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.